If you learn wholesaling, if, if you understand wholesaling, buying properties at the right price, it makes everything else easier, whether it be developing, whether it's just, you know, rehabs, cosmetic rehabs, full gut rehabs. Once you learn how to buy properly, everything else is easy. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, the program that shines a spotlight on positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization in the city of brotherly love. Coming to you live from the G-Town Radio Studio on Maplewood Mall in Germantown. Here's your host, Alina DeLisser. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show. So, you know, for a lot of us here in Philadelphia, we've seen the explosion of real estate development that's been happening, particularly over the last decade. And in a lot of neighborhoods, when you're driving around, you see these signs that say, we buy houses, you know, and, and one of the the real estate investor communities that are kind of at the bedrock of all the development that's happening, particularly with the residential market are real estate wholesalers. So here in the studio with me today is one of the very active players here in the Philadelphia market. His name is Jaleel Kinsey of of, Phil, of Jay Buys Philly. Um, everybody calls him Jay. And, you know, he is a Philly native, and he's got a, he's got a really inspirational story about how he uh, got into real estate and how he's kind of developed a system, a, a, a process to become more efficient as um, as a wholesaler. Welcome to the show, Jay. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So, Jay, you grew up you grew up in Philly, right? You are from North Philly? North Philly, yes. Uh, the Yorktown area. And you went to Gerard? Gerard, Gerard? College, yes. Uh, from 2nd to 12th grade. Graduated in 93. I guess I just sort of told my age. But yeah, <laughs> went to Gerard College. So how has your neighborhood changed over the last few years? Because it's been dramatic, hasn't it? My neighborhood has undergone a drastic change. It started slowly around the Temple University area. We're just outside of Temple University. I think we all know about the changes going on there. Um, it's to the it, it's the whole Do makeup of, of the it? neighborhood has changed. The neighborhood itself looks the same. It's the makeup of the neighborhood. Every the vibe. Yeah, it, it, it used to be all black okay and now it's it's a little mixing pot uh my mother is still there she has asian neighbors uh white neighbors it's it's just a little bit of everything um yes yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the change and so when you went to you went to howard for college you went down so that's down in dc yep and you studied uh, business management? Business management, yes. So the plan was to come out and get a nine-to-five job or to be an entrepreneur or what? What was the deal? There wasn't much, in hindsight, there wasn't much of a plan. The plan was to not work for anybody. That was it. Okay. I, I hadn't narrowed it down. Um, real estate wasn't my first, uh, it, it wasn't what I wanted to get into initially. I, I had no concept of it. So 
uh, back then, the only, I guess, the closest thing I had to a mentor were barbers. So I thought maybe I could open up a barbershop. That was my biggest aspiration at the time. Because those were successful small businessmen that exactly. you were seeing, right? Exactly. So, yeah, it, it was all I knew. I didn't know anybody in real estate at that time. It never occurred to me that that was even a way to make money, let alone a career. So, yeah. So your exposure was, uh, was it a college roommate? How did you... How did you get connected into the rich dad, poor dad? Because that was kind of like the first step, right? Yeah, that's, like that's everybody's everybody. first step. Yeah. Everybody's launching pad. So in 97, the summer of 97, I remember it vividly. I, I actually had a friend from Chicago who, who lived in the same dorm as I did. And he kind of disappeared after freshman year. Freshman year for me was 93, 94. Um, I ran into him about, about three or four years later as I was on my way to my summer internship on the subway and he was, you know, suited top to bottom. And, you know, he looked like he was, he had some money. I approached him, you know, I hadn't seen him in a while. Hey, you know, what, what have you been up to? Where you been? He told me he was into real estate and options. That, that was his thing. Real estate and stock st- options. Stock options mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a vague answer, you know, so I, I kept pressing him and pressing him, and, and it kind of became a daily thing because I'd see him every day on the way to work. So we would talk on the platform for a good 15 minutes. And he was just oozing success. Oozing right. success. Right. Now, for all I know, <laughs> he, he could have been a bum, but okay. he looked the part. Okay. So, you know, we talked for a while, and, I, I you know, I, I began to ask him more pointed questions. And, you know, pretty soon he just kind of said, well, listen, if you really want to know, this is where you start. Read this book. And, you know. I went to, uh, what was it, Borders, Barnes & Noble, whatever it was Mm -hmm. back in the day. I went through that book in about two sittings, which was a lot for me. I'm not a particularly fast reader. But, um, yeah, it was was no going back after that. Once I read that book, I think everybody would tell you the same thing. It just kind of opened my eyes to the possibilities. And, uh, yeah, I've been going ever since. It, it, It took me a while to sort of study and and there wasn't a lot of youtube information at the time but if you remember robert kiyosaki put out a whole series of books so yeah i read all of them okay. e- even the ones that had nothing to do with me cpas uh his, his cpa wrote a book i read that one i, I read all the books so by, by the time i finished i felt like an expert um i had no money Okay. I had no experience, but in but, my mind, I was an expert. So were you still in college at that time? Or? No, I was okay. out of college. Um, and were you living in D.C. or you were back I was, here? I was still living in D.C. Okay. Okay. And I actually had a business with two friends of mine. We had a promotional products business. So, you know, anything with your with your logo or, you know, we, we did logo merchandise, basically. And, um, you know, we, we that was still my day my, my day job. But you know, at night I'm I'm reading and I'm learning and I'm trying to get my courage up to jump into into real estate. I kind of so, kept it to myself. It was a little secret. Yeah, so it was very so that was yeah that was your secret identity and <laughs> yeah. and, and basically I mean basically back then the the RIAs and the well meetup didn't exist and the RIAs weren't really that well known, right? So you were Correct. it was like a solitary exactly experience that you were having exactly. As a matter of fact. To my knowledge, there weren't any online courses. All the courses were extremely expensive, and they were basically a, a ton of tapes. Not even CDs at the time, just t- tapes. Um, I'm trying to remember some, some of the Carlton names. Sheets. Carlton Sheets, Sheets, obviously, you know, he's the godfather. Right. But uh, Russ Whitney, there you go. That's the okay, name. Okay. It just came to me. I, I remember 
listening to a lot of his stuff. He was based out of like Florida somewhere. Um, not sure if he's still around. But yeah, I was just anything I could get my hands on. And, you know, they, they would offer this software, which wasn't very user friendly. But of course, the computers were different at right, the time. Right, right. So yeah, the, the, the pickings were slim as far as educational material. So what was it about the... What was it about the whole vibe back then that made you decide, you know what, I want to kind of transition from this business that I'm doing with my friends, the promotional products business, into real estate? Because it really was almost like a wild, wild west. And you were, you were like a pioneer in a way. I mean, you were going uh, out homesteading, homesteading, right? <laughs> Without any, I mean, you know, you, you talk about burning the boats, right? Okay. Um. I fell for the dream. I, I fell for the uh, the Russ Whitney, not Russ Whitney, Carlton Sheets lifestyle, which you see in the infomercials. There were infomercials. So, yeah, I would see the infomercials and, you know, hey, I want to sit on a dock. So the financial and, freedom. Yeah. Control over your lifestyle. Exactly. And the business that I was in, it was good, but it was a constant grind. We were out there every day, literally door knocking. Um, just before I was in real estate, I was door knocking. So going door to door in downtown DC, trying to, you know, hustle up clients, going to different universities in the area. It was, it was a lot of, uh, it was, it was, it was a lot of work. I didn't want to, I didn't see myself doing that for too much longer. Okay. Okay. So with the real estate, once you kind of got that foundation with the knowledge, what was your first, what was your first deal? You bought something or was it, you weren't wholesaling yet? No. Not, right. Not right. Close. Okay. No. So what was your first uh, transaction? My first deal, I I wouldn't call it a real estate deal, but with the help of my girlfriend at the time, now wife, we bought, uh, I guess, our first home in West Philly. It was the triplex in University City, which wasn't University City at the time. It was it was on its way to becoming University City. So in hindsight, we look smarter than we actually are, but it just worked out that. Well, she worked for University of Penn, and they were offering incentives to keep their employees in the area. So, you know, we got a, a place on the outskirts of uh, University City, which at that time, University City might have cut off at like 46th Street. Now it's like up to, to 50, 50, 50, exactly. 52nd or something. Yeah. So we were in the quote unquote sketchy neighborhood at the time. And uh, with that, we, we, got it, we got it at a good price and we had some equity. But I would say my first rental property was is um, actually in Kensington, which also was before it was Kensington. I'll be honest, that part of town is still old Kensington. It's still rough. But it was a two-bedroom house, a uh, small street called uh, Thayer Street. And I paid uh, $18,000 for it. Wow. And I financed, and, and it didn't really need much. It needed a new hot water tank. Okay. It was, it was an older woman who lived in the house. The neighborhood had changed around her, and I guess she just wanted to get out. And uh, we paid 18000 for it, and I actually financed that one through GMAC. I remember it, and I had to finance $12,800. So I had to come up with, with the down payment. Uh, you know, I wasn't that savvy. I just knew down payment, monthly payments, profit on top. So- yeah, that was pretty much the structure of it. it was that was your first sp- rental that you, yeah. as a landlord, okay. It was nothing sophisticated. So, what was that? Was that 2005? What, uh, what year was you know, that? It's funny how I remember things. I just remember I was 25 at the time. Oh, so okay. So what, what year? I guess <laughs> okay. that would be about, I don't know, 2001. Okay, maybe. okay. Uh, just after 2000. Uh, we, we didn't have a car. We didn't have anything. We were just starting out. We didn't have a car. We used to take the train, the L, 
to the house at night, walking through Kensington, just to show it to potential tenants. <laughs> and there was no furniture in the house. We would sit there on the step, waiting for people to show up. Finally, somebody showed up. I got my first tenant. It was a Section 8 tenant. And don't you know, the day after she moved in, the hot water tank went. So I had to learn how to replace a hot water tank. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that I, was- I learned a lot just from that first property. But that is the story of my, 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 my first purchase. So so you basically jumped into the deep end. I mean, you, you went, you, you, you bought the property. You Week one, you had that... 2 a.m. phone call about the water heater. Yep. And then you replicated that, what, 20 more times? I mean, you, you, a you, lot more you started times. acquiring a, a whole bunch of rentals, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it was funny. My goal when I started, it, it's funny how things change. But my, my goal when I first started was to get 10 properties and then just live it up. I could live off of that forever. Off of the cash flow. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any better. You You can't. <laughs> you can't do do much with ten properties, at least not ten single families. But um, at that point, I was just focusing on maximizing cash flow. And Kensington, to me, the way I looked at it at the time, was just dirt cheap. So it was more profitable in my mind. I didn't look at the turnover. I didn't look at the hassles that come with it. I just looked strictly at the numbers. Um, then I tried to accelerate that. I, I started buying into rooming houses. Figuring, you know, one roof, multiple units under the same roof. I had mixed reviews with that. Mostly good luck, but, you know, it's sort of a mixed bag. A couple of multi-units, did a little bit of everything. I was really a disciple of this whole Robert Kiyosaki philosophy. He talks about um, things like laundromats. Went and got a laundromat. Like, you know, I was was in my mind. I I was on fire at that time. Okay, yeah. So yeah, it was it was all about the cash flow. Anything that I saw, you know, there was there there was a lot on the market at the time, and you know, I, I negotiated what I thought was good deals. I was buying properties about in the low twenty thousand dollar range at that time, single families, three bedrooms. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, you you couldn't tell me I wasn't I wasn't killing it. Right, <laughs> right. Know? But then you kind of hit a wall, right? Yeah. You felt like you hit a wall where it's like you woke up one day and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. I feel like I'm a professional handyman, not. Well, damn, those are my. Those you must have been in my head. Those, those are my words. That's exactly <laughs> what I said to myself. It's like this wasn't what I had in mind. I woke up one day and realized that one, I barely get dressed. I throw on the same painted sweatpants every day with the same raggedy shirt because I'm working. I go in my car everywhere I look. There are keys, and it just hit me one day like, damn. I'm a handyman. Like I'm like Snyder from uh, was it one day at a time. <laughs> this is what I'm doing. Like I went to college to become a handyman. No disrespect to handymen, but that's not what I signed up for. Um, just to go back a little bit, what, what I what I didn't mention when when I first started, uh, when I first moved back to the city in 2000, I actually came across a gentleman who was mentoring me uh, in real estate. So basically, I was working under this man for free for a year, like, like, like the karate kid. Or okay. Okay. <laughs> and he had me doing all of his dirty work. He had me evicting his tenants. He had me re- fixing, just learning the, the, the business. It was so good. You're the property bad. manager, the asset manager. Bingo. Right. It was Super. good that I was learning. It was bad that I was learning to do everything myself because that's what he did. 
And at the time, he had to be about 70. He was in good shape. He was in good shape. <laughs> but right. he had all the keys, the right. raggedy. So I was basically modeling what he did. And it, it came back to bite me. Like, uh, And it's a good way to learn. Yeah. It's a good way to learn, particularly since he didn't grow up in real estate, right? Exactly. But it's kind of it's it's like education. Mm-hmm. You know, once you finish elementary school, you move on to middle school, middle school onto high school. And it's like exactly. it's not healthy to stay at that one level years yeah. and years and years. So that guy was that guy was teaching you the best he could because that's what that's what he did. But he didn't know how to go beyond that. Well, I don't think he had to. He had, you know, he he'd been in the business 20, 25 years. He owned a bunch of properties throughout University City, free and clear at this point. He had properties in Derby. Everything he owned was free and clear. Wow. So, you know, every, everything was all profit to him. You know, he would. But, you know, he, he there were some things about him that I saw that I didn't like. The way he managed his properties, the way he treated his tenants, the way he, quote unquote, made repairs. And that's where we started to kind of part ways. And I didn't really want to learn those habits mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the habit of doing things by myself kind of stuck and it took me years to get out from under that so yeah again i i learned a lot i, I don't I, I don't have anything bad to say about him or the experience but i don't you know i, I don't want to i didn't want to continue down that path right right so basically like your first decade in real estate then was as this um landlord slash property manager slash super Right. Yeah, I could okay. add some more slashes, but yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so you you built your portfolio up to about thirty units. Was that it? Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, I, I always cringe a little on the inside when 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 I say that because Why? when I well because when I say it, people who don't know any better are impressed by it, and I don't necessarily think it's some. I honestly think it's the wrong metric to judge success by. Okay. You know, it's, it's kind of like, I guess the, the the analogy I make is going into a gym and asking somebody, how much do you bench press? That doesn't mean you're healthy. That just means you can, you know, right. lift something. You can move your, weight. Your, your blood pressure <laughs> might be out of whack. You, you know, you probably have no flexibility, but you can bench press. Having 30 units, it sounds good, but are you profitable? And yeah, I was somewhat profitable. But if you are profitable, what's your quality of life like? And that was sort of where things started to uh, fall apart for me. Like, I don't want to do this. But at this point, I've been doing it for 10 years. What else do I know? Okay. So that was sort of a little little crisis that I had for a while. Um, Because, you know, I've never had a real job. What what, what am I going to do? Who am I going to work for? (laughs) You know, I'm, as they say, unemployable. Okay. And even if I did have skills, I'm not sure I would work out as somebody's employee. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. so the wholesaling kind of kind of fell in your lap a little bit, right? It kind of you kind of eased into it because of referrals you were getting from other folks, right? How did that pan out? My first deal when uh, I refer to it is when I invented wholesaling. I didn't actually okay. invent it, <laughs> but I didn't know what it was, so I really thought I invented something. Um, some, as a matter of fact, a friend of my wife's, you know, people know what I do. So when her, basically it was a friend of my wife's who knew someone who was selling a property in Allentown and, um, you know, I said, okay, you know, I'll I'll look into it. uh, A little bit of backstory. We go to Allentown a lot. My wife is from Allentown. So 
you know, about an hour away. Went to take a look at the property. It was a nice property. Um, I'm not even sure why I went. I had no interest in property in Allentown, but I do like to look at properties. So, you know, anytime somebody calls me, I'll, I'll take a look. It was a nice property, but it needed a lot of work. It was dated. And, um, you know, I, I figured, okay, well, you know, I can buy it and kind of figure it out. I think I, I had a little bit of money at the time. I can buy it, figure it out later. Made her an offer. We sort of agreed in principle. We didn't put anything on paper. She called me back and told me that the neighbor had made an offer. So now suddenly I'm in a bidding war with the neighbor. Um, somehow I was able to get the, the, the neighbor to back down. That sounds much worse than it is. That makes it sound like I threatened him. No, I didn't <laughs> threaten him. Basically what I said was... You showed him the light. If I, I negotiated with okay. him. If, if, if you... Basically, the, the bidding got so high that it, was, it wasn't really feasible for either of us. So I said, listen, if you back down, I can make sure you get the property at a lower price. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do it that way. And, you know, I made it known that I was willing to go as high as he wanted to go. And I put the worst tenant in there. That wasn't true. I was, I was bluffing. But he, he bought it. <laughs> and, um, you know, he, he accepted my offer. And I flipped the property to him and made a decent amount of money. I guess I can say it, it was years ago. It was about uh, $10,000 or just under $10,000, which to me was huge. You know, I made money monthly from rentals, but I never made a huge lump sum like that. Maybe, you know, on a cash out refi, but mm -hmm. as far as just doing one transaction, right, right. that had never happened. Uh, and that was, you know, from just having a couple of conversations with, with, with these two people. Yeah. And, you know, I, I found a title company down there who, who would do the transaction. The seller was in one room. The buyer was in the next room. And, you know, I got my check. And I, I really felt like I, I knew it was legal, but I felt like I did something. Like, I never made money that easy. I felt like it had to be a little, not illegal, but. Shady, yeah. Uh, uh -huh. I don't know. Like, clearly it was legal because everybody did it. I was upfront about what I was doing, but it was just too easy. I, I was uneasy with how easy it was. And I spoke to an investor friend of mine. He said, yeah, you just wholesaled it. And, it, you know, I, I had no idea what that was. But in my mind, yeah, I just invented the wheel. Like, okay. I was telling him about it. Like, listen, <laughs> man, there's this new way you can make money. And he's like, yeah, okay, yeah. I've been telling you about that for years. So that is how the first one happened. The second one didn't happen for years because I didn't know how to duplicate it. That The first one fell on my lap. The, the, the second one, you know, I, I had no idea where to start. I didn't know anything about marketing. I didn't know what to look for. I didn't have any criteria. I, you know, so I just kind of sat around running, managing my rentals, waiting for the next one to fall in my lap. So okay. there you go. Okay. That's the story of how I invented wholesaling. So that was, was that 2009 to 2010? The Allentown? Allentown? Oh, uh, man. I'm not sure what year that was. I could figure it out. But it was, but basically there was a, a hiatus. You had like a lapse after that first one. Yes. And yeah, a couple of years. Okay. Hiatus. Okay. So basically it's been what, like in the last uh, three to five years that you've really started to ramp up? Consistently, yeah. I'd say the last, yeah, exactly. About the last four to five years. Okay. Um, actually putting you know concerted effort into it yeah it's, it's, it's been about that and your focus is on philadelphia philadelphia yes. proper now as of now I, I'll, I'll be honest I, I am thinking about 
revisiting Allentown because, again, I spent so much time there. But as of right now, it's, it's just Philadelphia. OK. OK. So once you decided to focus on and this is something you've talked about um, with other with other people, the importance of not getting distracted, you know, finding a niche and then basically doubling down. So you talked about in the past having this bright, shiny syndrome, you know, chasing after um, chasing after rabbits, you know. Yeah. Um, and so mm-hmm. the wholesaling kind of came at the right time for you because it provided a big enough terrain to focus on and really, really become an expert in one area, right? Yes. You, you know what? First of all, let me, let me go back. You, you at, the, at the beginning, you called uh, wholesaling sort of the bedrock of investing. I agree with that, and I want to thank you for that because we kind of get a bad rap. Um if you learn wholesaling, if, if you understand wholesaling, buying properties at the right price, it makes everything else easier, whether it be developing, whether it just, you know, rehabs, cosmetic rehabs, full gut rehabs. Once you learn how to buy properly, everything else is easy. So I just wanted to say that real quick. But yeah, it, it came along at the right time and it wasn't too much of a departure from what I was already doing. I was already buying properties. I was already out making a bunch of offers. I was just kind of disposing of them differently. Before I was buying, I was doing the rehab. I was doing all the things that I quite honestly didn't enjoy. And there is nothing more conflicting than when you're you're making money at something, but you don't enjoy it. And wholesaling was sort of that happy medium for me. It, it, it occurred to me once right at the settlement table uh, of all places that throughout the whole process of investing, um, identifying properties, making offers on properties, uh, you know, negotiating the price, going to settlement, managing everything that comes with it. The only part that I actually enjoy is negotiating, you know, the, the actual terms of the deal. I like making offers. I like the whole wheeling and dealing back and forth negotiating process. I remember sitting at a settlement table and once I signed those papers to buy that property, it was just like, now what? It was, it was like the disappointment. Yes. And, and it, it it was like a light bulb went off. Like, why, why am I doing this? And it, it took me a, a while to figure out what I can do that only entails what I like doing. Now, don't get me wrong. I still have properties that I manage. It's sort of a necessary part of being an investor. You have to have your rentals that bring you income. And I'll probably still continue to do that. But it's never going to dominate my life the way it did at one point. Wholesaling is a tool. It's not everything that I do. But it's enjoyable. It's profitable. And it helps people. So as of right now, it's kind of where I'm at. It frees up my time. Uh, you know, there's there's nothing like being able to, you know, my wife all the time is, you know, you, you, you know, your daughter has a game at three. OK, cool. So and I'm there's at no the drama. game. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, That's great. So I, I That's enjoy a gift. It. Yeah. That's a gift. I mean, a lot of people would envy you that, you know, the ability to be able to set your own schedule and literally like, oh, there's a game tomorrow. There's a field trip next week. Sure. No problem. You know, that's great. Because um, I think, you know, we talk about money, we talk about investing, but really time, time is like the greatest, uh, time and health. The most health important thing in the world, time and health. You're are right. the two two assets that people, even the richest people mm-hmm. in the world cannot get back. Exactly. And cannot guarantee time and health. Mm-hmm. So for, for those of us that are in a position 
to truly not just manage our time, but own own your time, own our time. That is huge. Now, to be absolutely clear, I don't want to pretend or even give the impression that I just get that you're up a billionaire. At, at, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want anybody thinking you know I get up at noon and you know go to the beach. No, I, I work like a normal person, but I work differently. I primarily work from my phone as opposed to you know down in basements fixing the hot water tank. And you know, my my day is set up differently. I, I now am, am smart enough to hire people to do certain things, do, do certain repairs. And I've, I've made it eat certain things that I would spend a lot of time doing. I don't, some of that is technology. Some of that is just me being smarter. Right. Right. You know, I really do remember a time when I would go around knocking on doors to pick up rent, things like that. Now multiply that by how many units, you know, I, I really wasn't working that smart in, right. the, in the beginning. Right. And that's assuming everybody's home the first time you go. <laughs> oh my so, goodness oh my goodness you know I, I've, I've wasted a lot of time in my life trying to get it right and um you know I, i'm just all about investing in a way that works for you that's that's what i tell people mm-hmm. you know, i'm not here to sell anything i'm nobody's guru but i will always tell people do what works for you now a lot of that you know it's going to be a lot of trial and error you're going to have to figure out what you don't like before you figure out what you do like right but not everybody's cut out to be, you know, the, the biggest developer in the city. Not not everybody's cut out to be the best, you know, flipper, wholesale, whatever. You, you got to find your niche. I, I know people who do nothing but market all day. I know people who just manage other people's properties because they're, they're good with people. You know, they, they're, there's a niche in real estate for everyone. You That's the beauty you, of you it. You could be a realtor. You, you, you could be, there's so many things you can do. Don't just fall for the for the things that are most advertised not everybody's going to be gary v not everybody's going to be right cardone right you know you got to figure out what what works for you right yeah i think all those people the you know the influencers they're inspirational and they show people one possible path but yeah the beauty of real estate is that there are so many different ways of making money and finding your happiness yeah so that's really great so with the with the with the wholesaling one of the things that you are becoming known for is your discipline and coming up with a process. So, you know, you talk about reaching that stage and having that self-awareness that, look, I need to delegate. Mm-hmm. I need to get some help. I need to hire help. I need to invest in my business because I'm growing. The, the fact that I'm growing is a good thing. Mm-hmm. That means I can bring on more staff. So can you talk about hiring virtual assistants and being really strategic about how you were scaling your operation i went to a workshop once um it was about a two two or three day workshop pretty expensive too that that, that's another thing educating yourself that that's huge continue to educate yourself but to go back and answer your 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 question he had us draw a a diagram on a piece of paper sort of a, a quadrant and one quadrant was things that you love to do the top right quadrant were, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, right, the type, right. top right quadrant was things that you'll do, but, mm, you know, in, in a pinch you'll do it. You'd rather not. Bottom left was things you don't like. Bottom right was things you absolutely will not do. If it's not in that top left quadrant, outsource it. And that was, that's sort of what I use as a, as a guide. 
So it doesn't necessarily have to be anything difficult. It can be something as simple as gathering data and separating things on a spreadsheet. But if I don't want to do it, I'm going to find someone who will do it. And at the rate VAs work, especially overseas VAs, you can get it done next to nothing. It it sounds daunting to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to hire two or three people. But you can you can get VAs for as cheap as three dollars an hour, sometimes less, depending on exactly what you want them to do. Especially mm-hmm. if it's just data entry. Okay. It, it, mm-hmm. it, you know, the English doesn't necessarily have to be the best. You can outsource it, give them the assignment. But what what I've started doing is everything that I do, every process, and what I do, no matter how mundane it is, I document it step by step. Sometimes I record it. Sometimes I write down. The, the, the steps, you know, one, two, three, and it makes it easier to outsource. So when I call up someone or when I come across another VA, hey, listen, this is what I need every first of the month and on the 15th of the month. This is how you do it. You go to this website, you pull this information, you put it in the spreadsheet, you separate it this way. That's one less thing I have to do. Right. So each time you're not reinventing the wheel. Exactly. So if one VA doesn't work out and you move it to the next. And, and that's the next thing I was going to say. If that one doesn't work out, move it to the next. And it's just a matter of sending over the instructions, you know. So um, if the instructions aren't clear, I know I have to go back and, you know, redo something. But overall, you know, if, if you really take the time to put the, the, the thought into it, it, it usually works out the first or second time. Okay. So you would say, would you say that that's one of the things that um, newbies mess up with in terms of not figuring out what a process should be and following that? I will tell you the the biggest, I I would say the biggest mistake that newbies make is they stop marketing. And this is how easily it happens. You market, you, you, you promote, and you finally get a deal. It's your first deal. You're excited. You don't want anything going wrong. So you're you're walking this thing to the finish line. And, you know, you call the title company or, you know, you're, you're talking to the buyers and the sellers, making sure everybody's still on board. You walk this thing, you know, you may have some title issues that you have to straighten out. You're, you're, you're doing all this. You're giving it your full attention. And you finally get it to the settlement table. And you close. Now what? There's nothing else coming through the pipeline because you've stopped marketing because your attention was so focused here. So what I found out after a handful of deals is that you have to always be marketing. You sort of have to automate that. And that's where the VAs and things like that help. They kind of keep things going while your attention is over here. Okay. Uh, so I would say that's that's the biggest mistake that newbies make, not not continuing to market for deals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. So what about the the fact that um, a lot of people want to be the Lone Ranger when they get into into real estate? How do you, and you kind of suffered from that a little bit yeah, too, yeah, right? Yeah. So how much of that is healthy and how much of that you need to kind of shed in order to grow? I will say this. If you don't have grand ambitions like I did, you know, I wanted to own the city. You can't own the city by yourself. But if I was content having one, two, three, I'd say five or less units, and I just want to kind of take it easy with that, you can do it by yourself. I wouldn't even recommend doing it at that point because once you start, it, it's, it's hard to get out of it. Maybe hire or find a good property manager, which is much easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you, you might have to give up some of that profit to just pay somebody to periodically check on your properties or 
check in with your tenants, mm-hmm. things like that. But um, you, you know, what was the old saying? If 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 you want to, yeah, I'm I'm about to butcher it. I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> say a, an old phrase, and I'm and I'm killing it. But it's something to the effect of, if you want to do something, you can do it by yourself. But if you want to go far, you got to do it with others. And it's taken me years to figure that out. Um, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, in terms of the wholesaling, I really just started working well with others, I'd say, in the past two, three years. But, yeah, prior to, you know, it's tempting to do it all yourself and keep all the money to yourself. Right. But if you, once you learn, you know, how valuable your time is, now you're, you're willing to give up a little bit of, of that profit to relax a little bit. Right, right. So another thing that you talk about is the, um, how, how important it is for you to work hard so that you can kind of kick back. Yeah. And it's kind of a contradictory idea when people think about yeah, it, right? Yeah. I, I know how I love it the, I love the way you express it. Yeah. I, I basically work hard to be lazy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a workhorse by any stretch. It, it may appear that way, but I, I'm really not. I work hard I work unconventionally. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on my, I'm on my phone. You know, while, while the kids are asleep, I'm doing things. I'm looking up comps. I'm researching properties. I'm sending out emails. I'm up late, but then I get up late. So I'm working hard at night so I can get up late. You mm-hmm. know, I, I get up. I, I'll make breakfast. I make my wife breakfast. She works from home. Um, you know, I, 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 I don't work as much on weekends as I used to, but I bust my behind on weekends. So that I can sort of get a slow start to my Monday and kind of ease into it, but on on, on a larger scale, I I do a lot of things so that when it's time for me to relax, I can completely unplug. Right. I'm right. not on vacation. Well, once or twice I have been, but I'm not on vacation checking my phone or I'm, I'm okay. gone. Right. Right. I'm gone. And that's great because um, one of the fears I think people have, particularly when they're self-employed, is the second I stop working. That's it. I can't even take a real vacation. But you're at the point now where you could, if you wanted to take a week off, go to you know, go to Jamaica. You could, right? You well, would- let me let me let me say this. Part of my business will continue to run just fine without me. You know, the the, the rentals, the wholesale side will run to an extent without me around. I haven't scaled to the point that things just run 100 percent without me. And to be honest, I'm not sure I will because I enjoy what I'm doing. So I'm I'm not out here trying to scale some massive operation where I can, you know, go to France for two weeks and things run mm. without me. I'm actually doing what I enjoy. Maybe some at some point I will do that. That's that that's a lot of people's goal. Okay. It's not necessarily mine at this moment. Okay, okay. So with the wholesaling, I mean it kinda went from something that people knew about, people were doing, it didn't have an official name mm-hmm. to like in the last decade, you know, their their um gurus wholesaling gurus uh their facebook groups i mean there's there's a lot of uh, training coaching programs how to become a wholesaler how competitive has it gotten for you just in the last few years because uh, there are a lot of people that i mean let's face it that are amateurs people that are d- kind of dabbling they're dabbling I will in say it they that- do one deal and then they go poof but they're they're kind of you know there's blood in the water, right? You, 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 you said a lot. There, there's a lot to address there. I'm not, I'm not even <laughs> sure where to start. I will say that there are a lot more people in the business. I wouldn't necessarily call all of them competition. 
And that's not even an arrogant statement. I'm not saying, you know, nobody can match me. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's like I tell my daughter, if you just show up, you'll beat half the people. Because some people just don't even show up. Some people are sort of, oh, let me try and see if it works. A lot of people don't answer their phones. If you answer your phone, you're ahead of most of the competition. If you're competent, you're ahead of way more people. I've gotten so many deals from people because they they were working with someone else and it fell through because they, they couldn't close for whatever reason, whether it be financing, whether it be knowledge. I've done so I've worked with so many uh probate or state issues that I've kind of become a default expert. Just just it, it just kinda of worked out that way. I didn't set out to, but I, I get a lot of those deals. And furthermore, when people know what you do, people always come to you, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be for advice, they'll bring you deals, or oh, my cousin is selling this, my aunt is selling that. So, yeah, there are a lot of people in the business. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah. When yeah. you're successful? Yeah. It brings more success? Exactly. <laughs> so People, yeah. you know, people want to associate with a winner, you yeah. know? So, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't see anybody out there and think, man, they're taking money out of my pocket. I, I've, I've never thought that. The, the more you kind of reinvest into your own business and stay focused on what you're doing, you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. So That's great. So in terms of neighborhoods, are there certain neighborhoods where you're really seeing a lot of opportunity right now, or is it just pretty much the entire city is your playground? For wholesaling, I would say the entire city is your playground. Obviously, there are areas that are more profitable, but the more profitable it is, the more people you have sort of playing in that, in that arena. Um, but buyers or sellers, I'm sorry, sellers are a little more savvy. I would even say in many cases delusional. So people, people are, are, are aware, you know, well, first of all, let, let me, let me back up. I don't, I don't want to give the illusion that we take advantage of anyone. What we do is we offer a quicker solution to, to dispose of properties. I tell people all the time, listen, this is what you could get for your property on the open market. But if you want to sell quickly, you know, no contingencies. This is what I can offer you. I'm also a licensed realtor and I, you know, I tell them that. So I give them multiple options to, you know, get rid of the property. Sometimes they want to sell it on the open market and I act as an agent. Other times I sell it or I buy it as, as an investor. So some neighborhoods are, for example, South Philly is just ridiculously expensive at this point. You know, you know you're, you're not just going to fall into a deal the way you might say in North Philly. Not to mention that the the, the market is different. Mm-hmm. People sell for different reasons and certain circumstances present themselves more in certain areas than other areas. So that being said, a place like North Philly, and I'm just saying general North Philly, not narrowing it down to a neighborhood, you might find more deals there. Generally speaking, they're not as profitable as say South Philly. It would, it would probably take, I'd probably have to sell about five or six properties to get the, the profit I might get from one in, say, South Philly or even Germantown or a place with higher price points, pretty much. I don't necessarily favor one part of town. Uh, I, I market wherever. Okay. But like, like I said, you, you, can, you, you can make more money in certain parts of town, mm-hmm. but you got to find that needle in a haystack. Right, right. Whereas another part of town is, you know, shooting fish in a barrel, but they're not as profitable. Right. So So for somebody starting out as a wholesaler, would you recommend that they pick a neighborhood or have cast a really wide net? I would certainly recommend that you get familiar 
with certain neighborhoods okay. and learn specific markets because it's when, when when you're all over the place as a beginner it takes a lot of time just to research properties if someone comes to you and says hey i have a property in germantown at, at this address you have to look it up you got to research it you got to pull comps if you tell me an address in certain certain zip codes 19132 which is north philly uh 19134, which is Kensington. I, I could go on. Just from experience, I can tell you ballpark what those properties go for in whatever condition. That's just from experience. And it saves me a lot of time. I, I just do it in my head. So if you come to me and say, hey, listen, I got this property. I'm selling for $90,000. And I know that that area caps out at about fifty. I'm like, eh, nah, it's, it's not for me. I just saved myself a bunch of time. But as a newbie, you're, you're hungry. Okay, yeah, give me the information. Now you're researching it. You're wasting the time to go out and look at the property, only to realize a day later you, you got a dud right. and, and you've wasted a day. Right. So right. I would say get familiar with your market, not only for buying purposes, but if, if, if you're working as a wholesaler, you need to learn your, 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 main, your building costs. You, you need to know what goes into a property. You need to know both ends of it. You need to know how to buy mm-hmm. it and what your end buyer has to put into it as well. So that it's a good deal for everyone, right? Right, and 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 people need to be honest with themselves, right? Don't don't be delusional, like the seller. Some of the sellers are being delusional some, and yeah. saying, "Oh, okay, well, maybe the this the the repair cost could actually be this." Listen, no, I'm dealing with with one right now. He's an older landlord, and you know his place. It probably needs to be rebuilt, quite honestly. But to hear him tell it, man, I could fix it myself in two weeks. For five hundred bucks, okay. We'll go ahead and do it. <laughs> right, know? right. But his standard of what's fixed up versus the market standard, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Wow. So, Jay, what's on the horizon for you in twenty twenty? What are you most excited about looking ahead hmm, for your question. business? Uh, I actually have some things that I'm working on with a with a good friend of mine, a gentleman named Lavar Clark. You know, I've known him for years. We work together. Uh, I, I'm torn. I, I want to say it, but I don't want to say too much too early. Okay, you don't want to jinx something? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm selectively superstitious. Okay, okay. I'm superstitious when it The when Lone it, Ranger it, it still rides. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit, right? Exactly. Um, but other than that, um, I, I've been working with some 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 people. Uh, you know, we've kind of put together a, a, a private, a pool of private money. And, you know, we have some plans with that. So uh, it's kind of more of the same, just involving more people. Let me try this question. Okay. What's your dream real estate project? My dream real estate project. Maybe that's the way to back, back, go in through the back door to the other question. <laughs> oh, man. Do you have a dream real estate project? At this point, I'm not sure I do anymore. Um, I okay. don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I wish I had a better answer for you. My dream. Because, you know, like I said, I, I, I don't want to rule the world anymore. I don't want to. I, I don't. I don't know. I, it's not even a specific project. You know what? There's a gentleman. I try not to uh, look at what other people do and, and and compare. Yeah, right. But there's a gentleman that I've met, and he travels the world. I, I, I travel the country and leave the country every now and again. Mm-hmm. He travels the world, and you know, basically, he does what I do times ten. Like talk about working from your phone, like. And the market he's in is so much more profitable. So if he does one deal, like, you know, you're talking six figures just selling one property. 
I guess I'd like to do that. You know, okay, okay. but ask me in two years, I might say something different. Okay, you know. okay. But for now, you're you're happy where you're at, you're at, and you you like you like what you're seeing in this local market. I like where I'm at. I like what the market is, and and quite honestly, it's kind of based on where I'm at uh, in terms of my you know life, in your terms family of life. life right, where, yeah, my right. family life. So for where we are, for where my my life is right, right now, everything is good. In a couple of years, when my daughters are teenagers and they want nothing to do with me. <laughs> I might be trying to rule the world again okay. and trying to buy up all the property, okay. but for right now, I'm 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 okay. nice, just kind of flying under the radar. And okay, doing okay. okay. In terms of how things are going with the economy, are you are you? I don't want to put words in your mouth, but are you kind of maybe looking forward to a correction because that's when things when more opportunities come on the market at a discount. That's true. And we're at like we're like in year ten of this economic cycle. That's we're true. at the peak. I do anticipate buying more properties and taking advantage of some things at, at lower rates. But all I do right now is buy things, you know, at, at lower rates now. That's, that's pretty much what, what what I do. The way I dispose of properties may be different. Um, there may not be as many buyers in the market when, when the correction comes. Money may not be as free. There may not be as many cash buyers running around. But, you know... I know how to hold properties. I know how to rehab. I have other skills, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm not fearing the uh, the, the the upcoming correction. You know, okay. I've been through a correction, so okay. I think I'll be okay. Okay, great. So, Jay, um, for folks that want to connect with you online, what's the best way to find you? I know you recently wow. launched your Instagram, right? Oh, man, I am Insta-famous. <laughs> I, I, I a lot about, of people were pushing you to get on Instagram. Yeah, I, I got about 15 followers now. I'm, I'm famous. I mean, <laughs> you just don't know. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I am on Instagram now after years of fighting it at Buys Philly. Did I say it right? I don't even know if yeah, I said it yeah. right. Yeah, at J Buys Philly. Um, I'm not that savvy. Haven't quite mastered hashtags yet. But, you know, I, I put things up there. I, you know, I give little glimpses of what I do day in and day out. I try to give little inspirational quotes, motivational quotes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's tough. Because, like I said, I'm not selling anything. I'm not trying to be anybody's guru. It's just more like, I guess what I'm trying to do is show people that what I do isn't rocket science. And anybody can do it if you just put the time and, and attention but people to love it. i mean people love to see behind the scenes so yeah. people love that yeah so that, that, that's pretty much what i do on instagram i, I show people that that is possible that's it nothing more nothing less okay and um you're also on facebook and did you want to give out your website address i don't have a website oh i thought you did nah, okay i'll keep things simple you keep very <laughs> keep things very simple okay so, so on facebook say, uh, on instagram it's j buys philly yes okay cool and uh facebook you know it's just regular old jaleel kinsey J-A-L-E-E-L-K-I-N-S-E-Y. I just gave out my government name <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> well, Jay, it's been great having you here. And folks, we've reached the end of another interview. Remember, you can check us out and you can find all these episodes on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. And you can also check things out on the jumpstartgermantown.com website. Okay, folks, thanks a lot for listening, and I will see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.